0: Hello, welcome back to Dukin' with the Duke. I'm your host, Dustin the Duke, and you're listening to the next round of the Digo miniseries, Dukin' with the Duke. Today, we are playing Battletoads Double Dragon. But first, we have beer. All right, today's beer that we have is the Dragon's Milk White, which is a bourbon barrel aged white stout. I'm not going to spoil why I picked this beer until we get further in the discussion of the show, but I promise you it makes sense. Uh, I bought this at Meyer on 37 in Noblesville about an hour ago hour yeah about an hour ago so it's I threw it in the refrigerator as soon as I got home and I decided to do a couple things to try to cool this beer down because I got it right off the shelf uh but it is a milk stout and I don't want it to be like super cold so I think it's at the the right temperature so I'm going to go ahead and open this up and pour it out and we're going to take a look at the beer uh looks wonderful it's very it has a weird color you're thinking milk stout you're thinking uh dark but this one is kind of like those ivory stouts we've had in the past uh so it's pretty exciting. Uh, so the the Dragon's Milk comes in at 6% ABV, which is going to be wonderful. But it's pretty low for a bourbon barrel aged, in my opinion. Uh, it has 35 IBUs, which is the Moss Isley's Docking Bay Hangar 3-5, or 35. Get it? Uh, Dragon's Milk White is a nod to New Holland's. Brewing's 20 years of barrel aging expertise and commitment to innovation in the name of flavor. The next legend to unfold its Dragon's Milk family, Dragon Milk White, creates a full flavored yet lighter stout drinking experience that presents familiar flavors in a completely unexpected way. All right. For the can of this one, uh, you have uh, like a white can ombre up into like a dragon scale. Uh, it, it's it's really nice. And then you got your Dragon's Milk logo with the text underneath. Uh, it's not a whole lot there, but it's definitely better than most of the Dragon's Milk uh, logo, logos that I've seen. And underneath the text, it says, bourbon barrel aged with white, uh, white stout with coffee, chocolate, and vanilla extracts. I'm not really getting the coffee as much. Maybe that's what I was getting on the nose. Uh, judging by it, it, I'm pretty excited to see that it is a very light color, an ivory color, or I guess an ivory stout color uh, that we've seen before um, if I were to make a guess about the color uh, without really going too far into it, it's gonna be like a Tails Tails or a Star Fox, uh, it's gonna be like a 5 or a 6 on our Geek uh, SRM, I think is. Uh, I'll just go with that one, that one works for me, alright, to take a sniff at this bad boy It's got definitely a, like a, a, I wouldn't say woody, but like a, it's got like a, um, like a foresty smell to it. Not quite floral in the sense that uh, it's, you know, like high, vibrant flowery smells, but it it definitely smells like wilderness. Uh, It doesn't quite smell like pine, but uh, it just smells like the great outdoors. Uh, which which is interesting, and um, I don't really smell any like alcohol burns from barrel aging or anything like that. Uh, and I've said this on the show plenty of times. Like stouts are like notorious for not presenting itself with a, a, a whole lot of flavors. Everything is going to be on the tongue. Um, so with that being said, uh, let's just go ahead and uh, jump right into drinking this thing. Oh, there's the flavor that you expect. It's nice and creamy. It's uh, sh- it's shocking, honestly. If you take a look at this beer and you think, oh, that's going to be, you know, a pale ale or that's going to be uh, some kind of golden ale or something like that. And you can pretty much get that on the the, the tongue, the, the ale part. Uh, but there's like a creaminess to it that uh, sets it apart from those things. And it's uh, enjoyable. It's not like it's not bitter. Uh, it's not tart, obviously. There's no hoppiness to it, um, well, overbearing hoppiness to it. Uh, it's very, is it's creamy, it's very smooth, uh, it's milky, if you will. If there's any lactose in here, uh, I'm not quite sure, uh, but it's a it's a great flavor. Uh, you definitely get the the coffee on the taste. Uh, this is a 12 ounce can, so I'm gonna be out of this beer before I know it. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and get on to Untap. That way I can uh, proceed. There are 70,000 check-ins, uh, total check-ins. So 70,232. Uh, 57,000 unique check-ins. And the ratings are 52,999 total ratings uh, at a 3.82. I've had 10 friends check this in. Uh, Joe King. Because he's always joking. Uh, 375, no comment. 375, no comment. Uh, My wife had this. Uh, That's how I knew that it existed. It was a thing. Uh, When we were at Union Jack Pub during the pandemic, Uh, she gave this a 4. Dustin Wood, friend of the show, gave it a 3. Keith, actual show member... Uh, he gave this a 375. He said, uh, I'll just read this one because he's not here to give his insight. Uh get hints of chocolate that help the taste like a stout, but it feels and tastes like a cream ale. Definitely a unique but pleasant blend happening of some different styles. Yeah, I do believe it's very creamy and it helps with, um, I guess, setting it aside, I really do get that cream ale taste that he's talking about. And it's, it's really wild that you would think that this is potentially a cream ale instead of a stout. But there's like the chocolate and coffee that, you know, kind of helps center it in the stout area. Uh, James R. 325. He said, uh, still don't get white stouts. This is tasty, uh, but I'm not getting any barrel characters at all, which is 100% accurate. That's what I was saying. Like, I couldn't really tell the bourbon barrel age part of this. Uh, Christian D. He gave this a 3.7. Some coffee and some smooth. This is not bad. I was skeptical, but I was wrong in my skepticism. Uh, Chris Leland, Mr. Gone V6, gave this a 3. Finally trying this. It's not bad. Lighter than expected. Almost reminds me of a cream ale. So it's 2 for the cream ale section. Uh, friend of the show, Doyle Doyle, I gave this a 4.5. He said, beautiful beach weather beer. Last day on the beach, so I have to make the most fun out of it, which is Perfect. This is definitely a lighter beer on that side, and you don't really need to go too super heavy, and this is just wonderful uh, for uh, for that situation. Um, Ooh, new friend alert. Dan Yim gave this a 425. He said, uh, creamy, sweet, and smooth. Love this beer. Uh, Kane Moyer gave this a 375. And then Dan Yim, uh, he checked this one again. He said, quite possibly, my new favorite beer reminds me of English pub beers like Boddington's, which I think I kind of hit on those notes without you know, going too overboard with that. Uh, that was plenty of check-in readings and things. Um, I'm just going to like stick to that. I'm not going to go further down the list. We'll just get this episode rolling. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and check this in. It's about here. Uh, this is what I normally... Rate cream ale's. It's good, but not overly, uh, over <laughs> overly good. I don't know. That's you know whatever. Uh, three and a half is a, a pretty good check-in, I guess, for this. Uh, I got like five other cans. I'll um I'll drink and probably see if I can get myself a better rating for this. But I think that this is probably as good as it's going to get. Uh, it's not bad. I'll finish it through the show, and I'll drink, probably crack another one uh, while I'm working on it. But other than that, uh, I would say if you're in New Holland, uh, up in Grand Rapids, and this is on the list and you get it, you're not going to be disappointed. But uh, it's not exactly something that makes me want to just drive to the, the store, the liquor store today, and be like, I got to have more. So I'll finish what I have. Uh, but other than that, it's, a, it's an okay beer. It, it's okay. It's not... Not the best Dragon's book I've had. It's okay, beer. I just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DrinkinGeekOut. You can also check out our show notes and other fun stuff on our website, DrinkinGeekOut.com. You can also email us any comments or suggestions at DrinkinGeekOut at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Patreon where you can get some fun bonus content that is patreon.com backslash drinkin geek out. And now back to the show. All right, welcome back. We have the episode topic today of the Battletoads Double Dragon. Uh, This came out for the NES. Uh, I also played it, I think I played it specifically on the Super Nintendo, and that's why I'm having it in my uh, NES list, my fighter list. Uh, This is a 1993 beat-em-up game developed by Rare and published by Trade West. It was originally released for the NES and later ported to the Mega Drive, Genesis, the Super Nintendo, and the Game Boy. The Ultimate Team is a crossover of both Techno's Japan's Double Dragon and Rare's own Battletoad game franchises. Although Technos had little to no credited involvement in the production of this game outside of the license of the Double Dragon. The game features the characters from the Double Dragon series, Billy and Jimmy Lee, Uh, two young martial art experts. Also included are the three humanoid toad protagonists, Zitz, Pimple, and Rash, which are lovely names uh, from the Battletoads uh, game. It is also the first Battletoads game to feature all three Toads as playable characters. The game's engine and design are directly based on the series uh, from the Battletoads. If you've ever played those games, if not, go ahead and uh, watch videos on gameplay or get yourself a hand on a ROM and uh, have some fun. It's it's dumb beat-em-up fun, but it's still pretty fun. Uh, battle toads double dragon consists of three game modes you have a single player mode you have a two player mode you have two two player modes one of them is a which we, uh, you can hit each other and then b is where you don't have that ability so if you want friendly fire on you play with a if you don't go with b not sure why you would ever friendly fire but if you want the ability to inflict damage on your own character sure why not uh, there are only three continues and it does not have a password system. And if you are in the two-player mode and one of the player loses all the lives, both players have to start over. So it's like a shared life pool. Uh, since these 16-bit ports are identical in gameplay to their NES counterparts, attacks and jumping are triggered by two buttons on the respective controllers. So the other buttons are uh, it just don't exist. You don't do anything with them. They're unmapped. After being defeated by the Battletoads, the Evil Queen flees to the outer reaches of the universe and the Toads and their mentor get on with their lives. However, one day the Earth's military is neutralized and a giant spaceship called the Colossus emerges from the moon. Apparently the Dark Queen is back with another plane to dominate the galaxy and she has allied herself with the Shadow Warriors, which is from the Double Dragon series. To supplement her forces, deciding to even the odds, the Battletoads get in contact with Billy and Jimmy Lee and ask them for their help. The brothers agree, and all five immediately take off for the Colossus in a mission to stop this two pronged threat. The opening game series, when you turn it on for the first time, starts with uh, like a role credits type thing and it shows you the five characters or the five playable characters and it has like a brief bio. Uh, and it starts with the Toads, and the first one on the list is Rash. And next to Rash's picture, after he's doing some kind of flex, he's like, I'm the crazy one. I'm super cool. My smashes leave him cold. Um, very, I don't know who wrote these or if it's like a translation problem, <laughs> but these get awful, I promise. Uh, next one on the list was zits. I'm the smartest thing on web feet. I can think as well as fight. Uh, and I think Zitz was the one I picked the most, at least in the other games. I think like the Biker Mice from Mars had a mini Battletoads game, and then like the original Battletoads game, or whatever. I always was a big fan of Zitz. Uh, and then, then we have Pimple. I may not be the smart, or I may not be smart, but when brain power fails, brute force prevails. Uh, so he's the he's the lug. He's doing the uh the, the the heavy lifting I guess if you will he's the muscle uh after the uh, toads we got the two dragons uh we have Billy which is a super white buddy boy uh, he reminds me of Billy Zapka and he says I'm ready to rumble no one can match my twisting typhoon kick and then followed up by Jimmy says if. The going gets rough. Then I'm your man. I love a good fight. So nothing punny there. He's just was like, yeah, bro, let's go. Uh, and this brings me to the point why I chose the beer that I have. If you haven't guessed it already, uh, it's Dragon's Milk White because we have dragon characters in this. Uh, double dragon characters. So I'm a game from Japan and the two main characters are white boys, which is upsetting. Whitewashing video games since 1993. And we have, yeah, the dragon's milk white. So I thought it was a funny, good play on term uh, words there. Uh, but it's still upsetting that we couldn't get a, a good Asian representation in, uh, video games back in, uh, the 90s. Uh, that's that, like, Asian representation, like, where they weren't the bad guys, right? All right. Uh, the characters Billy and Jimmy give me, like, super, like, big, uh, <laughs> big river city vibes. Uh, they kind of, like, line themselves with alex and ryan so if you have any comments on that that was like the first thing i thought of because i literally just did the uh, big city or the river city ransom episode uh there's seven levels to the game and they have six different bosses i'll explain why there's only six and each of these people actually had a pre-game like hype trailer as well uh, and so we'll go through a little bit of what they say. Uh, the first level is Tale of the Rat Ship. And the boss in there was uh, a Bobo. And he's like a super ripped person of color. He's like 100 abs. Uh, he's just like big, like big guy. and They portray him as like some dumb, uh, I don't know, some dumb foreign guy or some jock. I don't, I don't really know definitely doesn't age well i i read that and i was like you've got to be kidding me and it's like i kind of hope that it was like a translation problem but they just never fixed it in the american version uh but it probably is something stupid and i hate it for it uh but in the in-game bio it says uh a, a bobo good at fight you little jerks not stand a chance against me it, i don't know it kind of speaks ignorant and it, it's rude that it was written that way in my opinion I, I don't know. Uh, hopefully it's just like a, a Japanese translation gone bad. But it's like, uh, you know, third person talking, no articles, uh, no like verbs. or It's, I don't know, it's ridiculous. But he's Jack, but he's the first boss. So he's uh, pretty, I would say pretty easy, but he's the first boss, right? Uh, next level is the Blag Alley. And you fight the Big Blag. Uh, the big blag is an ugly ass fat rat it looks like a buddha belly with a rat face and a mullet and his in-game bio says I'll be chomping and stomping if you dare step inside the Colossus so he's trying to protect the ship big ass rat uh, the next level is ropes in Roper Roper is the boss for this place he's a super jacked military white man He's got a five o'clock shadow that looks rough. It's just like insane. It's like the stereotypical five o'clock shadow for a chiseled military man. And his in-game bio says, Roper's the name, shootin's the game. Come near me and I'll blast you to bits. It's like, what if I just came over here to ask you a question? And you're just gonna shoot me because I came near you? You're a dick. Not a big fan of the you know, dick behavior and these bad guys. Uh ratchet rumble. Is the next level, you're just on the Colossus. It's, I guess the Colossus is the boss, but there's not really a boss, so that's where we have the six different bosses. After that, we have the Missile Mayhem, and the main boss for Missile Mayhem is Robo Manus. Uh, it's probably like the scariest thing I've seen in 6-bit piz- pixels. Uh, this character looks really horrifying. You should probably like Google him and look him up. Uh, it's uh, Robo hyphen Manus, M-A-N-U-S. Uh, and his little, he's like a bug, but it was also a robot and a human. He's got weird teeth. It's, it's horrifying. It's not like super scary, but it's just, it's horrifying. On uh, his little in-game bio says, You fleshy fools will beg for mercy when I'm through with you. I feel like that's like a, a, a early 2000s, uh, alt rock. When I'm through with you type of sound, but little buzzy, little robot he's a scary looking dude. Uh, the next level is a Shadow Boss Showdown, which is from the Double Dragon series, and he looks like Shredder, I'll be honest, but his actual name is Shadow Boss, and his bio says, come and get me if you dare, dragons, I'll destroy you and those toads. So definitely Shredder is upset with the Double Dragon, can't imagine why. And then we have the last level, which is the Armageddon 2, is called the Rematch with the Dark Queen. She is a snack. If you look at the bio. The only thing you really see in the opening credit is her ass. And she's looking back at you like come get me. Uh, I can totally see why the toads are after it. Uh, in the, in the credit, see, uh, opening credits she says. I'll soon rule your precious earth. Battle jerks. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Which kind of gave me like Major Rita vibes from Power Rangers. Like making some stupid like threat and calling them like jerks (laughs) anyway she's the dark queen all right uh so the reception for this one is a little i guess weird uh nintendo power asserted that despite the confusing depth perception great action graphics and theme make this one of the strongest titles this year going as far as proclaim it as better than Battle Toads and battle maniacs In 93, its staff rated it as the second best NES game of 93. The NES version was also nominated for the Nintendo Power Awards in 1993 in the categories of graphics and sound, theme and fun, play control, and villain, which is the Dark Queen. They were like, yes, Queen, let's do it. And also uh, nominated for best overall game. Uh, as for now the reception of this game if you you know go back uh, this game was featured on lists of the top 11 video game crossovers by Hugo uh, networks and the 15 most bizarre crossovers in gaming by games radar it has been ranked in the 75 76th best NES game by IGN and the second best double dragon game by cinema blend calling it one of the most memorable beat'em up games of all time, one of the most iconic crossovers of all time and one of the best SNES games of all time. Battletoads and Double Dragon was easily one of the most defining games of the 6-bit era, featuring a great sense of scale and scope while including some unforgettable moments like the hoverbike sequence. Having the Battletoads duke it out alongside the Double Dragon was a surreal moment in gaming, but that Didn't stop the game from being hard as nails, but that is all part of the 16-bit charm. Anyone who enjoys beat-em-up games and had an SES likely had Battletoads and Double Dragon in 2018. Complex listed the game 28th on its the best Super Nintendo games of all time. Which I think I would agree, I did own it um i it's really tough it's like one of those good crossovers it was fun if you were familiar with the teenage mutant ninja turtle knockoff characters like the battle toads or the street sharks or you know things like that uh as for like one of the best games ever i don't really remember uh playing the i mean i beat it when i was a kid but it's like one of those things where it's like huh. It was fun swinging stuff with the toad. It's just, I don't know. It's kind of like a play to completion. If you were to watch a gameplay right now, uh, like start to finish from like turning the game on until you finish the game. It's about 40 minutes long. So it's it's doable if you know like what you're doing. Um, it's, it's, it's fun. Beat them up if you're into that type of thing. And if you are, it's probably why you're listening to this show. Uh, as for the music, the music slaps. It really does. For 1993, composer David Wise. Of course, it's David Wise. It's rare, for gosh sakes. Uh, he does a really good job. The music is wonderful. Uh, it's it's not exactly like memorable. There's no like song or sound that when you think of it, you're like, oh yeah, that's that's totally Battletoads or that's totally Double Dragon. But the music is actually pretty good. Uh, and I played some of the theme music when I was talking about each of the levels, so that, if that's an indication, I think that it's, uh, you know, pretty solid, uh, uh, pretty solid tracks. So I think that does it for me. This has been fun uh, rehashing this game and drinking some white milk or white dragon's milk, if you will. Until next time, drink up and geek out.